latest Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us in this study. It's called Too Slow. And one of the things that can be too slow about is understanding where we are. You know, what season are you in right now in your life? Are you past the elementary stage? Are you past the teenage stage? Are you now in that adult stage? You are adulting. That's right. Some of you senior adults. We'll talk about y'all next week. But let me say this. This is a powerful message that will help you. So get ready, buckle up. And if you like it, link it and send it to a friend. It starts in just a minute. You stay right there and watch this sermon help you how to learn how to move a little bit faster because maybe you're going too slow. Part three, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. Stay there. Well, glad you're back. Listen, today we're going to take a journey down a path that has been fun for me. The sermon's called Too Slow. And this goal of this sermon is to bend, well, the series is called Too Slow. It's to help you think about how fast you're going and how slow you're going in life. And one of my arguments in this series is we are slow to understand the season we're in. So when you get your notes, you're going to see if you, if you click on that uh, barcode there and you say, I want to take a picture of that and you can have the same notes I have in front of me. I want you to think with me now. You can absolutely tap into a principle here that can help you in your daily life. Because I think that one of the things that's helped me with this series is I realize I need to be faster in my responses. Sometimes you, you're too slow to, to take care of yourself, too slow to lose the weight, too slow to eat right, too slow, too slow. And in my life, I've been too slow in some areas, too slow to save money, too slow to budget, too slow to clean up the house. Can we keep going right? Too slow to apologize, too slow. So I, the sermon series could have gone in a, in a lot of different directions. And I, I just corralled it into four simple thoughts. And, and I wanted to put it someplace you'd remember it because all of us have been in that early season of our life when we're child, child, children, that childhood season, right? I want to call it the elementary season almost, but it's the, that childhood season. And you, if you're a parent of a child, you think you're going to be there forever. And if you're a child, you can't wait some of you to grow up because you feel that the adult people aren't fair to you, right? Okay. So childhood season is one we talked about. Then we talked about the importance of the teenage season. And that's the season that was really different. Now, in the childhood season, that's the foundational teaching season that everything is built on. In the teenage season, that's the preparing for independence season. You're, you're in that point in your life where you're, you're, you're learning and you're growing and you're getting ready to leave home. You see it coming. I'm almost free from these people. I have power and control of my life, right? Then there's that adult season. And this is the season where you are in power. The I want power season. The power to take charge of my life, make decisions, go where I want to go to school, work where I want to work, live where I want to live, travel, go, whatever I want to do, stay out late night if I want to, whatever you want to do, this is that adult season. And with that adult season comes tremendous responsibility, a responsibility that can really harm you. Then next week we'll talk about the senior season. That's where I'm at. Now that season's phenomenal. I think it's one of the best seasons there is. That's my personal opinion. I don't want to be in the childhood season. I don't want to be in the teenage season. I, want to, I like being in the senior season of my life because that's the season. If you're not careful, though, I love this. I put down a note. This can become the waiting to die and no dream season if you're not careful. The waiting to die and no dream. You've lost all your dreams. You're rocking in the rocking chair waiting for the man to come with the casket. If you're not careful, that's what you're doing. But we'll talk about that next week. But I want to say this, all the sermons help you analyze your seasons. Some of you have been through, all of you have been through them. You're through one, two, three. You've been through one of these three, four seasons. And you're in the middle of one right now. What I want to do is I want to show you how to respond. So I'm taking the book of Daniel, and I want you to see. 
that there is this incredible conversation that goes on that is profound. It's a simple conversation. Now, the, they are in bondage, they're in slavery. Uh, Israel has been conquered, and because of their sin, God allowed them to be conquered. So they're sitting now in slavery, and in this conversation, there is a, there is a, there is a, a dietary uh, mandate that's laid down for them. And so Daniel, Shadrach, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those four are all together, and they are adults. But they make a tremendous adult decision to take charge of their life and take a risk. They, they, they lay down a set of guidelines that declare what they will do and what they prefer, well, let me say it this way, what they really don't want to do. And there are certain moral guidelines that they've agreed to. Now, in the book of Leviticus chapter 11, the entire chapter explains their hesitation because what happens is when they're captured, they're told, we need you guys to, to eat this because we want you to be guys who work in the uh, relationship with the king and we're going to promote you, but you have to look a certain way. You have to be healthy. And so they tell them, this is going to be your diet. And they put them on this very strict diet, but it's, it's stuff that they don't want to eat. It's wine. Some of y'all would have liked that part, right? It's wine, <laughs> it's wine and, um, and then it's all kinds of meat. And, all kind. and they, these guys said, no, we, we think we can do this on a different diet. Because Leviticus chapter 11 gave prohibitions against certain foods. Now, I believe God did that because it wasn't safe for them to eat it because there was all kinds of health reasons and a lot of fat and a whole lot of things. God just said, no, if you're going to be in this wilderness, if you're going to be out here, I don't want you guys eating, this, eating anything because that would have added more diseases and challenges to them. So there's a whole lot of conversation we can have about why God forbids certain foods because the New Testament, he really doesn't. The New Testament allows you to eat almost anything you want, but within, of course, wisdom. But there is a there's, there's not the same level of restriction. And Leviticus chapter 11 is pro prohibited, period. Just don't don't touch this. And they couldn't eat pork. They could eat a lot of things because they just it obviously wasn't good for them in the wilderness. They would have been eating wild pork and wild, wild stuff. And there was not the processing. So I think that somehow but even in the New Testament is still not the same level of processing and health as we have today. So there were reasons though uniquely, I think, in the wilderness experience where God limited the diet of Israel. But having said that, you can argue with me about that later, but the point is there is this incredible sort of uh, conversation that Daniel and the four Hebrew boys, three Hebrew boys, what they enter into with their new boss, the new guy over them. And I want you to listen to this conversation, Daniel chapter one, verse uh, 11. Daniel then said to the guards whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Give me nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who, were, who ate at the royal food, who ate the royal food. Verse 16, so the guard took away their choice food and the wine and they were to drink, I'm sorry, and gave them vegetables instead. Watch this now, verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams 
uh, of all kinds. Now, I want to make six observations about this that I think are important. And what's really powerful about this is this is an adulting moment. They're captured. They're in slavery. They are going to die in slavery, which is really interesting. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, this was a season of life that they couldn't change. Uh, Israel had made some very bad moral decisions. Isaiah, Isaiah and Jeremiah warned them that this would lead to their own slavery. And that's that's just a whole nother thing we can listen to later. But today, the goal is not to explain that or to deal with that. But the goal is to simply say, notice their response to their circum the circumstance they couldn't change. A lot of times we get locked into things we we worry about, but you can't change it today. And since you can't change it, the question is, what do you do? What is it that you do in your life that is uh, unchangeable? It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to move. It's not going to be adjusted. This is going to be the way it is. And so you have to deal with this reality. You're single. You don't have a husband. You don't have a wife. You don't have a job. Or you have a job you don't like. Or you went to school for something that you don't like right now, but it pays the bills. So you're in this moment. What do you do? You make an adult decision. What's the best way I can manage this awkward moment? This is important. In life, you make decisions based on what you know and what you see. Sometimes you make the right decisions and sometimes you're swept up in somebody else's life. You didn't do this. This is not your decision. You didn't put yourself in this place, but you are now ta-da, here. You're here. And if you're here, you can't change it. So Daniel and these guys understand, OK, we can't get free. That's not going to happen. What we can do is ask nicely. And I want you to see the power of a good attitude. That's why I called the six observations about Daniel and the Hebrew boys. And I want you to watch these six things that they do. That's, that's amazing. They accept where they are. But what's interesting is time they discover what they request, they quickly respond. They're not slow. They're not slow in their response. They're not taking their time, thinking about it, trying to find the right. They just politely go to him and say, can we talk right away? Time they heard it, can we talk? And so they jump on this conversation and the conversation leads them to, there's six things I, I note in this dialogue that are profound. Number one, notice, Daniel was not, first of all, slow to ask. He was not slow to ask. Some of us are too slow to ask. You take too long to ask for things you need. You wait in a relationship till things get really bad. You wait until you're, you're almost fired on the job to have a conversation about what the boss really wants. You're too slow in your responses to deal with your own physical health. You're slow. You're taking too long. God, get that one. You're taking too long. I mean, I've done it. I've taken too long. Too long to deal with things. And if I had dealt with it earlier, I would have had a different result. So I want you to think about that for a minute. The second thing that I think is incredibly powerful. Daniel was not slow about valuing his diet. He realized when he looked at what they were asking him to eat, he said, if I eat that, man, not only does that go against my values, which is Leviticus chapter 11, which I mentioned to you earlier, not only does it go against my values, but this is something that is, is not going to be good for me. I like the fact he's, he's quick. Quick to identify, that's bad. That's not good for me to eat. Something practical like that. You know what I like about the Bible? The Bible talks about practical things. This is the conversation about diet. What, what do you eat like? What are your eating habits? 
I, I lost some weight. I lost quite a bit of weight. As a matter of fact, I lost about eh, 14 pounds or so. I'm on the road here. And what's powerful <laughs> is, is this tied to what I ate every day. I thought I was doing really good. You know, what'd you eat, Pastor Rick? Come on, talk to us now. Because we saw you there. He's coming out there, boy, a little bit. What would you eat? Well, too much fruit. I'm a fruit fanatic. Too much fruit, right? Look at them. They're trying to show on the side. Look at the, the camera guys. You're funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was fruit, a lot of fruit. And uh, fried, I like fried fish. Oh, my God, do I? Fried, so look, if this is my last meal, grits and fried fish. Grits every day, people. Let me tell you. Oh, man. And uh, bread. Oh, my God, I can eat bread. I'm a bread fanatic. It's bread. So I just cut it all out. And I just got in, in, into a, and I didn't like the way my numbers were going. That, that much, some numbers. I went and got, ah, oh, no, not me, not me. I said, that way, that way, that way. <laughs> Red light, turn, turn, turn. And so all those things come together. And I really realized that, okay, first of all, you're 199, 8, 6, 96, they said was my target, but 98. So now 183, 4, 5. I'm in the 80s now, low 80s, mainly around 183. That's normally my, my landing spot. And I'm headed that away toward those numbers. And I'm working on muscle mask and all that stuff. And I'm trying, I'm trying to look better. But here's, here's and I, and I don't have to tell you my business, okay? I'm just telling you today, okay, just so we can talk, you and me. I like the fact that he wasn't slow. So Pastor Ricky might say, well, why were you slow? Ignorance, carbs. I didn't really understand how that worked. And don't let me start to try to tell you, okay? I'm, I'm new, trying to, I, I, what's funny is all the schooling I've had in life, I never really looked it up. And I didn't understand a lot of things that I was eating. Had a lot of carbs in it. It had a whole bunch of carbs. I loved rice. Oh my God, rice. <laughs> I don't eat many pies and cakes and ice cream. I'm not a sweet guy. But I realized that there are just things that I wasn't paying attention to. So now, you know, in portion sizes, you know, a lot of things. And it's amazing the weight just dropped off of me, just dropped right off. And along with working out and exercising, it just dropped, I mean, literally dropped right off of me within a few months, a couple of months. I was amazed. And I, I, I realized that I've been going too slow to address those things. And so I want you to think about it. I want you to just think about it. Nobody's trying to make you feel bad, maybe a little bit. But I want you to think about, about, what are you doing to yourself? And you don't want to eat yourself into a place you can't get out of. You don't want to eat yourself into numbers that will hurt you. You know, cholesterol numbers, sugar numbers. You don't want those numbers to get out of line. You want to stay focused so that you don't end up with a stroke or some unnecessary issue that came about solely because you didn't, you were too slow to face the fact that this diet isn't good. Notice how Daniel jumps into the conversation quickly. Third thing that's impressive to me, Daniel was not slow about allowing others to compare his physical appearance. Verse 13 stands out to me. What he says to them is, he said, then compare our appearance with that of the young men. Now, let me say it again. Notice number three, Daniel was not slow about allowing others to compare his physical appearance. Now, we have this conversation sometimes with ourselves. Well, I don't like anybody comparing me with anybody. I'm me. I'm who I am. I understand. I understand. That's all good. But sometimes you're too slow at allowing that. D Daniel said, bring it on. Bring it on. Come, you know, don't wait. Come on. Bring it on. Bring on the comparison. Let me stand next to somebody my age and look at myself. Let me, let me, let me take a moment to have an honest, honest conversation about where I'm going. 
And there's this incredible moment in verse 13 where he says, he said, they compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. Pause there. I want, I want, you, I want you to compare it to what you, you see, not what I hope and say, what you see. My numbers are my numbers. When you see my numbers, my numbers, my cholesterol numbers, my, my glucose numbers, my weight, my numbers, my all the different numbers. And I believe me, I'm in this program. I'm in this this uh, <laughs> health program that I'm in and they, they show me all the numbers and, and I can see they can see what I eat. They can see what I do, what I don't do. They can tell they, my body mass index. They, they, they I mean, they I mean, they, they look all they look me up and down. And, and I, those are my numbers. And I, I want to say, when you take those numbers and compare them and say, OK, where were you last year compared to where you are this year? I love the fact that Daniel said, listen, you can compare us to other people. There's something healthy about comparison, healthy comparison, fair comparison. That's an adult decision. In adult season of your life, notice how adult he is. Notice how he's saying, OK, I need to pause and look at this. And in that moment, there's something powerful that happened. He saw the truth. Number four, Daniel, I love this now, listen to this. Daniel was not slow to define what looked good and what looked better. What looked good and what looked better. You may look good, but could you look better? Better. The, the key word is better. Do I want to be a good or better? I'm okay now. I'm surviving. I'm not dead, right? I'm not in the grave, okay? I'm not like the guy in the grave. You know, I'm not that guy. I'm alive, <laughs> okay? But the point is, can I do better? At 65, can I do better? I can. I can do better. I can try harder. I can be more consistent in my workout. I can make sure that I'm, I'm stretching. I can make sure that I'm resting, sleeping. I can make sure that I'm not studying in the Bible at 2 o'clock in the morning and trying to get up at 5. I can do better. I can make sure that I am focused and that I'm clear. Notice that's an adult attitude. A lot of problems with adults sometimes is we, we act like children. People tell you the truth and you get mad. Why do you get mad? You know, and especially for me, I'm a public person. So people comment <laughs> on me all the time. And it's always fun. Oh, boy, look at you getting, oh, boy, you coming, son. I mean, you want us to stop it. You know, but the truth is, if it's the truth, it's the truth. If, I'm, if I look tired, I look tired. If I look sleepy, I look sleepy. If my skin doesn't look good, it doesn't look good. I mean, at some, you know what? Well, people shouldn't bother you like that. Well, why am I up? I'm up here? I get up here and I want people to look at me. I'm on, I'm on your TV or I'm on your, on your computer. I mean, I, listen, I, I, I chose to be here. I, I, I'm a light, the Bible says, on a hill that cannot be hidden. People see you. God wants them to see you. You are an example. You're telling people you are. Well, then you have to allow comparisons. This looks good, but that looks better. Man. Mmm. Mm. I give you a hint. When you get older, you wish you had done better. Because sometimes if you're not careful, if you're too slow, you'll lose all the good options. You'll so damage your body, you cannot fix it. Or you'll damage a relationship, you cannot fix it. You'll damage your relationship on a job, and you can't keep that job. You'll damage your relationship in the community, and they won't trust you anymore. I mean, if you're not careful and don't try to do better, you might end up in a place that it's not as good as you want it to be. I like the fact that Daniel starts off saying, I want to do better. 
I want to get on the better side of things. I don't want to just be good. I want to be better. I love this. Number ready? Number five. Daniel was not slow about letting them take the bad food away. Notice in verse 16, they took the food away. He said, I don't want it around me. Now, there's a message here. Daniel said, I don't want stuff around me that tempts me. I don't want stuff around me that tempts me. I want you to take the wine away, the, all the other stuff away. People often ask me, they'll say, Great Temple, what do you think about the Bible and wine? You've been talking about wine a lot in this sermon. You've been going, you, you said that they, they didn't want to drink no wine. So what, what, what was the wine? What's wrong with wine? You know, Jesus drank wine. I understand. But is wine good for you? Let me talk to you. You. Now, I ain't bothering look, 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 I'm not. My doctor told me, said, my doctor said, listen, dump up some wine, it might be good for you, a little bit of wine. And I says, no, I'll drink grape juice, I'll drink something else. I'm not going to drink any wine. He says, why? I said, because I might like it. Matter of fact, I probably will like it. I'll tell you right now, I'll be a wine bibber. You don't need me drinking wine. I'm high enough on my natural juices. I don't need any intoxicants, nothing. Now, you may say that's a cop-out. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I don't need it. It hasn't done any good for anybody in my family, just for the record. I've watched guys in my family drink it and try to play with it, and they, they, they do them well. I choose to say no. That's me, okay? Now, so I, I'm, and again, I'm not, you know, you do what you do. I'm just talking about Daniel and me, what we decided. The answer was no. And then he said, take it from my presence. Sometimes the problem you have is you surround yourself with bad things that tempt you. You don't move, remove the things around you that tempt you. You keep going in environments, hanging with people that tempt you. I'm a big don't tempt me person. I don't want to be in those environments because I don't want those things. So I'm real selective about what I buy, what I put in my house, because I understand. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not saying I'll eat you know, something fun every now and then. I have fun food. I believe there's something about being balanced. You know, it's all about balance, but you've got to be honest. This is a guy who's, who's a, he's adulting. He's an honest person, and adults need to be honest. But then there's the last part of this, number six. Sixth thing that I think that stands out to me in this, that, that really is often missed by some of the most spiritual people in the world. Here's what they said. Watch this. Daniel was not slow in his desire to improve his academic and cultural exposure. I love that statement. Now I want to read verse 17 to you. And I want you to hear what it said. I read it to you earlier, but I'm going to read it again. It said, to these four young men, God gave knowledge, this is in verse 17, and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So there's a couple of things now I want you to see. One, I want you to see that Daniel was the kind of guy who was not just focused on God. He was not just a God person. Some people, you know, they have the spiritual awakening and they become spiritual zombies. They walk around, Jesus, God. Every time you talk to them, it's Jesus, God, how are you? It's like that thing on Star Trek, you know, I am... Uh, I forgot the guy, he's, I am Irk or Kirk or something, when it was, uh, and he just says the same thing over, over and over again. You're like that. You, you know, you can't talk, and I, I can't think of the name of the guy anyway. So it's a little character. It's like a big wooden, has a wood stick. Some of you know that could be a test. Email me the name. That'd be fun. But here's the deal. <laughs> I forgot. It, it's so easy for you, if you're not careful, to spend your life, to spend your life in this place where you are not focused on the world you live in. 
These guys were, were familiar with literature. These guys were all learning. What I think sometimes happens to us is you become one-dimensional. I love the fact that they are not just Bible readers. I do. I do not just read the Bible. I am not just a Bible learner. Nothing wrong with it. I got degrees in it. I love the Bible. I'm just simply saying. The problem is when you are focused just on one element of your life and not the rest, you can become imbalanced. These were men, the Bible says, these four young men gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Look at that. Are you one dimensional? When people talk to you, do you have one topic? Jesus in the morning and Jesus at night. I want you to come to Jesus. Do you know Jesus? You need God in your life. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says you need, you're going to hell. You know, <laughs> people get tired of you. <laughs> your kid's tired of you. Because all you talk about is one thing. I'm not saying you can't talk about Jesus or God. Or please, don't get me wrong. Don't judge me. I'm simply saying, if you're not careful, your entire conversation is one dimensional. And there's, there's, you don't know anything about the ocean, the sea, the sky, or, or anything else. Anything else. I understand, I understand you want to be committed to God. I understand you want to be sincere, sincere in your service. I get that. But, but you go out on a date and the poor guy's wanting to get to know you and you tell him about your revival meeting. You're talking about what last sermon the preacher preached. You know, you come to your house, you got the preacher playing loud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's everything, everything is about this. It's not, if you're not careful, he doesn't know you. You know what? I think sometimes you hide behind this salvation thing and save thing and all this knowing Christ stuff and you, you're hiding because behind you is an insecure person who can't just be normal. I'm not saying that serving God doesn't make you normal. I'm simply saying if you're not careful, you're one dimensional. There's one dimension to your whole life. And that's not what these guys were like. So don't just read the Bible. Don't just be famous in church circles. Learn how to be impactful in the broader world around you. Do not just be known for just one thing. Let them know all of who you are. And if you are a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever you are, it's okay. That's an honorable part of your life. I've noticed something that's interesting. I've seen a lot. People can come to, people can come to God, right? They can come to God, give their lives to God, and they're all sorry for their sins. And they apologize to God by ignoring everything else in their life. Let me say it again. They apologize to God by ignoring everything else in their life. So when, if they know finances, when they come to church, they forget all about finances. It's all about God now. Forget it's not about money. And, and so then they, they end up in this horrible financial place because they stop using their financial gift. I, I say it to pastors all the time. You used to be a finance manager and you're now a pastor. Why don't you act like one? You know how to do this. I mean, there's something about being able to balance your life and not become this awkward person who doesn't have any balance. And, and that's why some of you are unhappy. You're not unhappy with God. You're unhappy with the way you're serving God. You assume God doesn't want you to be balanced. He does. I know that their church might have said whatever, but that's not what the Bible said. You need to pause for a second. You serve God. You need to get your act together. You need to get your life on track. And you need to stop being imbalanced. Take a deep breath. Take a step back. Think about this for just a moment. Because I'm right. 
You are an adult. Act like one. You're headed to those senior years. Get ready for them because they be a coming like a train. <laughs> that's not, that's the, I'm sorry, that's a long ranger. That's the wrong one. <laughs> that's a horse. Okay, forget it. If you don't, not old enough to know that, don't worry about it. There's a train coming. Say it that way. Choo-choo, it's coming. It's called adulthood. It's called senior life. So what's going to be for you? Are you preparing for your senior years? I got some stuff to say. I'll tell you one thing, though, before we get there. I'm surprised that I'm not dead. Like, I thought when you got to be a certain age, you just, you know, when you get to be, I thought when, you, <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I said, okay, when I get to be, ooh, 30, that's the, oh, that'd be old. I used to think that, you know, 40, ooh, 50, man. And then when people see you when you're 65, my age, they normally greet you like this. Man, you look good for your age. Wow. <laughs> that's not what you get. For your age. We, in other words, we expect you to be ugly and broken up by now. Man, we, we don't think you should be able to do jumping jacks and stuff. You should be like almost crooked. Your, your leg, your, everything should be like this. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Can you believe that you can be in the most prosperous season of your life at 65? You can, be in the most, you can have the most opportunities you ever had in your life at 65. You can create a brand new business at 65, a brand new life. Colonel Sanders started KFC in his 60s, late middle 60s. You can be an amazing person in your 60s. You can, be, you can dream a whole new life. You're smarter than you've ever been in your life. All the mistakes you made, man, you got a library full of knowledge. I have the best advisor ever in my life. You know who he is? I'll tell you his name, Ricky Temple. That's the dude. He has been with me for 65 years, and he's made mistakes. He's messed up money, messed up stuff. He's lost stuff, and he's found stuff. He's been up, he's been down, and now he's still here. And he can say, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't say that. Don't think that. Good advisor. I like him. I'm going to bring him along with me. You are underestimating your potential. And some of you are not preparing for those years, and they be a coming. Last thing I'm going to say, you know one of the biggest deficits in my life? I did not have a senior person walking with me as I was making decisions. When you get ready to buy insurance, take an old person with you. Don't take a young person. Take somebody that's going to tell you, no, you might live longer than you plan. Take somebody with you. Talk to somebody who's got money, who's retired. I never knew a retired person. You're going to hear me say this next week. I never knew um, a retired person that had, that had wealth and did well. I didn't know any. So I didn't fully understand what these years would bring. But I do now. And I'm ready for the future. Got more to say next week. I want to ask you something, my friend. Are you rising to that adult season? Because here's the deal. I want to tell you something. I want to say something I said in the first sermon. Our personal lives consist of seasons. I want to help you identify the seasons you are currently in. If we are not careful, we will confuse the seasons and move too slowly in response to the responsibility that each season demands. That's what I said to you in the first sermon. And I want you to know you can move too slow. And some of you are taking too long to grow up, too long to prepare for the next season. I want you to understand that you won't always be a child. I want you, you won't always be a teenager. I want you to understand that you won't always just be in this adult season. You're going to be a senior, senior citizen at some point. You need to get ready for that financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for them today that this will be a moment of breakthrough healing and grace. We pray the power of the living God will give them strength in this season to prepare for the next. And may they not be too slow. May they respond and may they move in obedience to your word in Jesus name. Amen. 
Love you. Thank you for being with me. Got more to say next week. I'll see you then, my friend. And listen, always remember every first and second Sunday, we have live services that I don't want you to miss here at Overcoming by Faith. You don't want to miss it. It's cruel, wonderful, really cool. And then third Sunday is our special Sunday, special service Sundays normally. And you just listen to the schedule. We'll have special things sometimes just for married couples on that third Sunday. We had Father's Day last, last month. Uh, we had uh, Mother's Day before that. Sometimes we'll have a special service. We got some coming up for young adults. It's going to be just young adults in the building at 11 o'clock. We'll let you know on a third Sunday. We'll let you know. We got some for just for men, just a men's service on that third Sunday. So that's our special event Sunday. So first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday. Fourth Sunday is our Sabbath Sunday. We're all home, all digital. And it's going to be amazing because we're going to do all kinds of wonderful things for you. And sometime on fifth Sunday, we got the young folks teaching. It's great. They bring the word and it's just fabulous. Can't wait. It got some special treats for you on fifth Sunday too. And then sometimes we come out to the campus and we have what we call, we call our get together Sunday called family fun day. We have rides and all kinds of stuff. We have food trucks every first and second Sunday. We get to hang out together and eat food and fellowship after each, after each service. So man, you don't want to miss it. So remember those schedule. I know it's different. It's a hybrid schedule, but it's phenomenal. The announcement will tell you more later. Let me pray for you. And I'm going to close this prayer. I know I've said a lot here a little bit earlier than I planned to, but let me say this. I want to say for those of you that don't know Jesus, you heard a word today. It might have helped you. So I want to close out with this final prayer. Father, I pray for people who've heard the word today. Maybe this is the moment they want to give their life to Christ. Let this be that transforming moment when they say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Let this be that transforming moment when I realize I'm an adult. I need to give my life to Jesus and get my life on track. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's something right there on the screen. Click on it. Let me know you want me to send you some information to help you start your life with Christ. If you want to, this is that moment to say, hey, okay, I hear you, Pastor Rick. Or type in the chat if you're on one of those devices right now that allows you to type in the chat. It says, I raised my hand. I'm giving my life to Christ. Pray for me. And they'll send something to you. We'd be glad to do that. But if you want to just directly reach to me, Pastor at Overcoming byfaith.org. That's pastor at overcoming byfaith.org. You can reach to me and I'll be glad to pray for you. If you have a prayer need, you can email it to that, that, that address and it, it, it does come to me and I do pray for you. So thank you so much. Be blessed. Be healed if you're sick. May God give you healing and restoration in your body. And if your marriage is bad, may it get better. If your life is not going in the right direction, may it go in the right direction. I just pray for you to just have all God's blessings. See, I can't get it out. I want you to have all God's blessings. In Jesus' name. Bye-bye. I'll see you more next week. Bye-bye. Well, I pray you are blessed by today's message. It is so true that life comes down to you making a decision as an adult, what you want to be. These three guys made a decision along with Daniel. Four guys said, no, we're not eating that. We're not doing that. We're going to be different. And they drew a line in the sand and became these balanced people. They weren't just spiritual people. They were people who understood how to live life. It's a powerful study. I hope it blessed you. If you know someone that needs it, link it and send it to a friend. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that what they've heard today will help them grow up and rise up and become what they're supposed to be. That adult season is a challenge for all of us, but it's one that you called us to. We embrace it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we talk about seniors, people like me. I'm 65. People like me who understand what it's like in the senior season. I give you a hint. If you're not careful, it's the season you wait to die. That's right. You just sit down and say, well, we're going to be dying soon, so I might as well just sit here and just go ahead and just die. Next week, I'm going to show you how to live, people. And if you're a young adult, pay attention. Tune in next week. 
I want to show you what to do and what not to do, how to prepare for the future, how to be ready for it. So that's all next week. See you next time. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Take care.